Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is how our business works. Like, if everything is going well, they're really happy to have you take pictures. But the minute things aren't going well, they always want to kick the photographers out. Now, in my case, I've been able to be in the room in many times where things weren't going well, and that's where the really good pictures happen. James Earl Jones said that I was like Forrest Gump, except I was really there. <laughs> this is Election 2000 Overtime. I'm your host, Emma Soslowski. The first time I met George Bush was when he was campaigning for his dad. That's David Kennerly, a photographer with the Bush-Cheney campaign. He was with them from election night through the Florida recount, 37 of the most unprecedented days in American political history. Well, George Bush is uh, a very approachable guy. That's one of the things I like about him. I mean, he's got a great sense of humor doesn't take himself that seriously. Uh, and, and Cheney's very much the same way in a different way. In 1974, David became the White House photographer during President Ford's time in office. That's where he got to know Dick Cheney. So Dick Cheney and I had become very good friends when he was uh, a deputy chief of staff and then chief of staff for Gerald Ford as president. And um, that relationship just lasted uh, has lasted over the years. Uh, Cheney has got a, a drier sense of humor, also doesn't take himself that seriously, a very intellectual guy. I had extraordinary access to him because he trusts me, and uh, I've always just been in it for the photos, and that's that's where I could get them. And so I'm very comfortable with both of them, and, and uh, um, I've, you know, that's helpful in my end of the business. It was definitely helpful on election night when the Bush team encountered a play they'd never seen before, a retracted concession call, a moment of victory placed on pause. And David was there to capture it. What I saw that night in Austin, that night and that early morning the next day, were uh, two people, one of whom wanted to be president, uh, I watched them as they saw their life, their political life, pass before their eyes, going from winning to very possibly losing it all. And that would have been incredible in American history, and it almost was. I saw two guys looking into the abyss of failure, and it it comes out in the photos. Just a reminder, throughout this podcast, we'll be referencing photographs taken by David and Gore's photographer, Callie Shell. If you'd like to follow along while you listen, go to CNN.com slash Election 2000, that's 2000, and click on Episode 2. 
or just click on the link in the description for this episode in your podcast app. Episode 2, The Worst Source in Washington. It began like any other election day. Here was that one. What, what moment was this then? So that's election morning. So this is before, this is as people were going out to vote. Oh, so the day of, the, the day, day of. of. Okay, election yeah, that's day. great. That's before he voted. So we haven't been to bed all night. And he's calling radios trying to get people to get out the vote. In Callie's photo, Gore and a handful of campaign advisors are in a conference room making phone calls to radio stations. Gore is reclining in his chair, head thrown back, mouth wide open, laughing. One of the great things, it shows the side of Gore's personality you don't normally see, and, and uh, uh, yeah, which is uh, terrific, and, and everybody's obviously, uh, like, yucking it up. It's a, a tension-breaking moment, you right. know, where it's, a, it's all... That, time in the campaign right toward the end, particularly before he votes and everything, it's, it's everybody's just beat. Later in the day, Gore is in a different mood, less upbeat. We see him lying on the floor on his stomach, eyes closed with one hand resting on his head, listening to the TV. Everybody was given a different number and report. ABC was saying one thing, NBC was saying another thing. So basically at this point, you're just listening to what everybody else is, you know, reporting. By 8.02 p.m. Eastern Time, the major news networks declare Gore the winner in Florida. Two hours later, the call is withdrawn. Between 2.15 and 2.20 a.m. the next morning, the news networks again announce a winner in Florida. It's Bush. He'll be the next president of the United States. At the governor's mansion in Austin, Texas, Bush is watching the returns come in with his family and close advisors. He's getting ready to make his victory speech. So he was in the hallway reading the speech. It was one of the better photos out of, uh, out of this whole thing. It really just felt like a great historic moment. Uh, the person by himself uh, was going to be president of the United States. He's preparing his speech, uh, really good light <laughs> coming from the lamp. Uh, I, li- I, li- I like the whole background. Uh, photographically, this was a good moment. We see Bush alone in the governor's mansion. Behind him, a grand staircase runs along the wall. He's standing over a table. On it rests his victory speech. He appears thoughtful, somber even. A solitary lamp lights the room. He's reading the lines uh, over that he will be delivering, and uh, I think it's probably sinking in that he's going to become the president of the United States, and he wasn't joking around about that. I always like pictures that are just quiet and there's nobody else. I mean, because when you look at this picture by himself, there are not that many moments where they're alone. There's not much private time. There are always people around them. So I think sometimes when you can make a photograph of a candidate, you know, just by themselves. I, I, I do seem tend to kind of go to those pictures because just the body language and the, it just gives you a little more insight to who they are. Shortly thereafter, Gore calls Bush and concedes the election. Then he and his team head to the War Memorial Plaza in Nashville, Tennessee, 
where he plans to address his supporters one last time. But the night takes an unexpected turn. Don Evans was the conduit uh, to the Gore campaign. He was uh, speaking directly with his counterpart, Chairman Bill Daley, who was Gore's uh, campaign chairman. And the sequence was that um, uh, Gore had called Bush and conceded the election to him, which led to a a big flurry. And then uh, Bush was preparing to go out and give his speech. And Gore was heading over to give the concession speech, but during the time he was heading over in the motorcade, more results came in showing that Florida was once again tightening up and essentially becoming too close to call. So it was at that point that uh, Daly called Evans. And that's the moment David caught on camera. Don Evans holding two cordless phones, one against each ear looking frantic and uncertain, his brow slightly furrowed. Meanwhile, Bush is walking past him, unaware of what's happening on the other end of the line. It's Gore's campaign manager, Bill Daly, asking Evans to get Bush to hold off on his victory speech until they could make sense of the latest news. Bush's lead in Florida has dropped to fewer than a 1,000 votes. It's too close to call again. Well, what's also happening in that in-between when they get to the war memorial is Daly and Michael Feldman, they're calling networks and trying to find out what the vote count is going on, like what they're hearing. So nobody knew exactly what was going on. It was like, you know, before we stop this train, do you have enough information to stop the train? I mean, I'm pretty sure that Daly did not want him to call um, Bush unless for sure he wasn't given that speech. Meanwhile, back in Austin... There was a, a long period. It might have only been a few minutes, but it seemed like an eternity, um, where they waited for him to call back to say that Gore was going to give the speech. And it was at that point, Bush went upstairs in the, in the, um, the mansion. So I don't have a, a picture of Gore and Bush talking when uh, uh, when he rescinded his uh, concession. But Callie does. The moment Gore called Bush to take back his concession, Callie was in the room. So we arrived with the thought that he was going to go out and talk to the public and tell them that he had called Bush. And then in the five minutes we were there, the staff decided that he should rescind his his call. And Gore is on a landline, and he is surrounded by his wife, Tipper, and son, Albert, and staff, and um, running mate, Joe Lieberman, and Bill Daly, his um, campaign director, and Michael Feldman, who was kind of the person who initially told him to, to not walk up on stage. After Gore calls Bush, the room erupts in celebration. The Gore campaign, which only a few moments before had been ready to concede defeat, is back in the game. Much of the photograph is blurry, except Gore, in focus, squarely in the center of the shot, laughing hard, 
like he was on election morning. After the break, Bush's reaction in Austin as captured by the only photographer left in the room, David Kennerly. Stay tuned. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events. At this moment, the part of the protests that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. Welcome back to Election 2000 Over Time. I'm your host, Emma Sislavsky. Yeah, I think part of being a good photographer is you got to talk your way into stuff. And uh, my dad, I think, uh, probably influenced me there, selling people things they didn't really want to buy. <laughs> That's kind of the position I've been in, which is essentially selling someone on the idea of you coming into their life with your camera to take pictures. And there has to be a trust factor there. And I, that that's, has served me well as a photographer. It's a real professional, ethical thing that you don't talk about what you hear if somebody's letting you in, into the room with a camera, particularly if you're the only one in the room. If it's with the mayor or a city council person, all the way up to the president of the United States. And so it's a kind of an unwritten rule among photographers that they are... Uh, um, tight-lipped. In fact, President Ford uh, one time told me that uh, my tombstone should bear the epitaph, here lies the worst source in Washington. <laughs> We're in Austin. Election night has lingered into the early morning hours. Bush, who only moments ago was preparing to deliver his victory speech, has gone upstairs in the governor's mansion to take a phone call. It's the second time Gore's called him in the past hour. On his way back, he runs into the worst source in Washington. He then came down the back stairway in the mansion. I was in the kitchen, and that was the other way you would come down uh, from the family quarters. And... 
Bush said to me, he took it back. He took it back. And I wondered what he was talking about. I had no idea. I didn't know he'd been on the phone with Gore. And I said, who took what back? He said, Gore just called me and took back his concession. And I said something brilliant like, oh, that sucks. (laughs) And he said, yes. And then he went out and told everybody what had happened. And so at, at that point, Jeb Bush, who was the governor of Florida, was calling down to the Secretary of State trying to get more information on what was going on with the, with the numbers. That's Florida Secretary of State Catherine Harris, who oversaw elections. She'd been appointed by Jeb Bush. At this point, they've kicked the other photographers out or, or they were on their way out. So I was the only one left in the room, which goes back to what I was saying, that uh, um, everybody's always happy to have you there when happy things are occurring. But this, this was highly dramatic because uh, they're watching their election evaporate and uh, nobody knows for sure what's going to happen next. This is uncharted territory. The Bush team settles into the drawing room of the governor's mansion. And that's the scene of a photograph David calls one of the strongest political pictures he's ever taken. Bush had this victory snatched away from him. The irony of having Jeb Bush, the governor of the state that has now thrown the election into chaos, standing right behind his brother, who was supposed to be the president of the United States. And Bush, to his credit, was very... Uh, I won't say sanguine, but it, but he wasn't like hopping around on one foot uh, expressing outrage. I mean, I, I think in his mind he, he was thinking, okay, what are we got? What are we going to do now? I mean, he's a very pragmatic guy, and he does look remarkably calm in the photo, especially for a man who's just had the presidency snatched from the palm of his hand. He appears focused intent, his demeanor betrayed only slightly by his posture, pitched forward, perched on the edge of his seat. Even with this picture, the word, the spin was, oh my gosh, you know, he's devastated. He does look devastated. He looks more like he's just, okay, where do we go from here? And you know what? That was exactly how he handled it. He and Cheney were like, okay, we lost this round, but like, how are we going to win it? They never gave up. They never gave up hope. Uh, they're very tenacious people. Right. And, um, they, were and they moved right into the next gear, as disappointing as that was. Right. Um, I mean, the game ended in a tie, for all intents and purposes, at that moment. And um, uh, that only happens in soccer. That doesn't happen in U.S. football or any other way. You know, there is an overtime. Right. So overtime became the recount of Florida, essentially. And this is the moment when overtime began. Hands down, the most meaningful photo was the all the players gathered in the drawing room uh, with former President Bush on the phone in the background, Governor Jeb Bush leaning over the couch, 
Mrs. Laura Bush and George Bush, all of them watching the TV, the Cheneys, all the players are in that one shot, and you can see that uh, something really bad has happened, and it had. Gore had, like, uh, pulled back his concession. And that was the moment. That was, like, that's, like, really an important moment in American history, and I nailed it. I'm used to being in the room when there's um, drama. And um, I was there when Gerald Ford ended the Vietnam War. I was in there when he pardoned Richard Nixon. I was with Reagan and Gorbachev at Geneva. But this is top five uh, all-time in-the-room moments. I wouldn't even know where to put it. Could be number one. David has a series of photographs from that night, and they're similar to Callie's picture of Gore after he took back his concession. Bush is sharply centered while everyone else in the room is a blur. The difference is in David's photos, the blur isn't celebration, it's panic. Surrounded by people, Bush is alone with his thoughts while his family and advisors try to sort out the next move. His future had been crystal clear just hours before. Now, it was out of focus. Gore, on the other hand, looks deliriously happy. He and his team have left the war memorial, and we see Gore in an elevator with his running mate, Joe Lieberman. They've got their arms around each other, Lieberman's head tucked into Gore's shoulder. Gore has the concession speech he never gave in his left hand. He's laughing. He's laughing really hard because Lieberman is telling him that the reason everything's going like it is is because he has his lucky tie on. I think Lieberman wore that tie pretty much through the entire, like, 30 days. Later that day, after getting only a few hours sleep, the Bush team reassembles at the governor's mansion to figure out their next steps and prepare for a press conference. Advisors Karen Hughes and Andy Card are standing with Bush, looking over his statement. But it's Laura Bush, seated in the next room, yet still visible in the frame, who draws your eye. And that picture is not by accident. I mean, I saw her sitting there. I tried to maneuver uh, around. So, by the way, that's the same exact place where I took a Bush looking at uh, his speech on the left. It was on that little table there. The table with the solitary lamp, where Bush had read over the victory speech he thought he was going to give a few hours earlier. Instead, he addresses the press and explains how he expects the process will unfold. Good morning to everybody. Thank you for coming. This morning brings news from Florida that the final vote count there shows that Secretary Cheney and I have carried the state of Florida. And if that result is confirmed in an automatic recount, as we expect it will be, that we have won the election. The recount is already underway. And I understand the Secretary of State of Florida has announced to the media that it will be completed by 5 p.m. tomorrow. Governor, can you describe the events of last night and the phone call from the Vice President? I got two phone calls, and it was a, we had a good discussion. Uh, last night was obviously a, an historic moment, and uh, it's going to be resolved in a quick way. 
confident that, um, that the secretary and I will will become the president-elect and the vice president-elect in short order. Was it ever the governor the popular vote goes one way, the electoral vote goes the other governor? Resolved in a quick way? Well, not quite. On the next episode. The last 19 days have been extraordinary ones. As our nation watched, we were all reminded on a daily basis of the importance of each and every vote. There are some who would have us bring this election to the fastest conclusion possible. I have a different view. I believe our Constitution matters more than convenience. As the recount drags on, we follow the fight for Florida all the way to the steps of the Supreme Court. So I, I called over and I said, Dick, they're going to make the announcement. He said, well, get back over here. And I'm like, you know, if I'd known all this was going to be happening, I wouldn't have had that extra martini. And then he pulls out a bottle of wine on top of it. For more from the decade that followed this pivotal election, check out CNN's original TV series, The 2000s. It airs Sunday nights at 9 p.m. If you liked this episode, head over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app and subscribe. And leave us a rating or a review while you're there. Election 2000 Overtime was produced by Vanessa Gonzalez-Block and Amy Eason, with help from Haley Drasnin and Prem Tucker, and with sound design by me. Special thanks to Damian Prado and Stephanie Carday. I'm your host, Emma Sislowski. So I started traveling around with uh, Ford as the vice president-designate, uh, and he had no intention to be president. He, uh, he never talked about it. Um, and during that time, we went to a Chinese restaurant. And at the end, they, uh, they brought these fortune cookies. So he opened up his fortune cookie, and he read it, and he kind of put his hand on it. He, he, he sort of looked shocked. And it said, you will be undergoing a change of residence in the near future. And um, he said, those things never make any sense. Well, flash forward to Nixon resigns. It was like, oh, my God. Like the fortune cookie is maybe predicted the future. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.